Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Samuel chapter 14, and today's title is going to be What Forgiveness Is Not. What Forgiveness Is Not. You know, one of the things I walk through with so many people is dealing with how to walk in forgiveness when we're hurt. Can I tell you, I've never met anybody who hasn't been hurt by somebody. We all carry certain wounds and scars from things in the past. And many times, the number one problem that I have found when it comes to people forgiving one another is having a bad definition of what forgiveness is. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to see what happens in the next step of this whole David-Absalom kind of situation. And we're going to get to see a little bit of the heart of Absalom to figure out there's something going on here, and we're going to talk about the book I have over here as well. But before we get into any of that, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It really does help us. We're on our road to 1,000. Comment on this video and let me know if you've ever read the book that I'm going to tell you about today. If you're a podcast listener, you have no idea what I'm talking about, so I'm going to tell you the name of the book in a second. But leave us a five-star review and let us know. Leave us a comment on how you're engaging with God's Word every day. And then also where we all gather together at the Bible Breakdown Discussion Group. That is an amazing place where we are just digging and finding more about God's Word. And I want to hear from you as well. Have you ever read the book I'm going to tell about today. Because, man, the more we dig, the more we find. And this book right here is absolutely amazing. Well, if you have your Bibles, you want to open up with me to 2 Samuel chapter 14. As I was telling you, that for all of my YouTube watchers, I'm putting some books over here to kind of um, kind of give you some ideas of some stuff you can read. And I, the one I want to give you, I'm going to have up here for a couple of days, is called The Tale of Three Kings. The Tale of Three Kings is a book by a guy named Gene Edwards. And he tells in kind of a narrative form about three different kings in the life of David. First, you have King Saul, which we've already read about, King David, who we're reading about, and King Absalom. Spoiler alert for what's coming ahead, King Absalom. And what he talks about is one of the things that he says in his book is he says, we never truly know what kind of king we're surrounded by. If we're King Saul, King David, or King Absalom. You have two on either side of David who had bad hearts. They were after what they wanted and what was good for them. David is the one who had the pure heart. And he said, you never really can tell. Only God knows. And often he, he doesn't tell. So you have to really just trust the Lord in those moments. And it is an absolutely powerful book I would recommend to you because it really is going to sum up a different way on how to see this whole narrative that's going on right now. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me catch you up. There was a, a time, two or three chapters ago, David committed a terrible sin. He ended up uh, getting a lady pregnant, killing her husband, <laughs> marrying her, and then the first kid they had died. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a horrible situation. Well, you know, because he uh, gets confronted with this sin, he repents, and God doesn't take the kingdom away from him. But he says, now your family is going to be in a mess, and there's going to be lots of killing in your family. Well, that's what starts to happen. The chapter after that, which was yesterday, because David, you know, we're just, we're just assuming, we don't know this for sure, but apparently it would seem David didn't use this as an opportunity to kind of speak into the life of his family. Hey, maybe you don't do this. He ends up having a situation where one of his sons rapes one of his daughters 
and then another son has the first son killed. So, I mean, it's just a mess. Just crazy stuff is going on. Well, the son who had the other son killed, his name was Absalom. Absalom ends up having to run off because he was afraid of what his father would do to him. At the end of the chapter yesterday, it said that after a while, David got to longing to see Absalom again. He wanted to find reconciliation in this situation. And that's one of the things I want to talk about when we talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. So let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness for Absalom is not saying that what he did was not wrong. It is not saying that it's not a big deal. It is not saying that he should have equal access back to everything again. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let what you did determine my future. I'm going to turn you over to God, and I'm going to take next steps with you as is appropriate. Let's look and see how David does this, and let's see if maybe God was protecting him from a little thing we start to see in Absalom's life. Let's read this together. 2 Samuel 14, verse 1. Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom. So he sent for a woman from Tekoa who had a reputation for great wisdom. He said to her, Pretend you are mourning and wear mourning clothes and don't put on lotions. Act like a woman who has been mourning for the dead for a long time. Then go to the king and tell him the story I'm about to tell you. Then Joab told her what to say. When the woman from Tekoa approached the king, she bowed with her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, O king, help me. What's the trouble? The king asked. Alas, I am a widow, she replied. My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field. And since no one was there to stop it, one of them killed the other. Now the rest of my family is demanding, let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit his family's property. They want to extinguish the only coal I have left, and my husband's name and my family will disappear from the face of the earth. Leave it to me, the king told her. Go home, and I'll see to it that no one touches him. Oh, thank you, my lord, the king, the woman of Tekoa replied. If you are criticized for helping me, let the blame fall on me and my father's house, and let the king and his throne be innocent. Well, if anyone objects, says the king, you bring them to me. And I can assure you, he will never harm you again. Then she said, Please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. And I, I don't want any more bloodshed. As surely as the Lord lives, he replied, not a hair on your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my Lord the king, she said. Go ahead and speak, he responded. She replied, Why don't you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of, uh, all of us must die eventually. Our lives is like water spilled out on the ground. We cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. I have come to plead with my Lord the King because the people, because people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the king will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance. God has given us this opportunity to have inheritance from the Lord. Yes, my Lord, the king, he will give us, the king will give us peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God in discerning good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. I must know one thing, the king replied, and tell me the truth. Yes, my Lord, the king, she responded. 
Did Joab put you up to this? And the woman replied, My lord the king, how can I deny it? Nobody can hide anything from you. Yes, Joab sent me and told me what to say. He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. But you are as wise as an angel of God, and you understand everything that happens among us. So the king sent for Joab and told him, All right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. Joab bowed with his face to the ground in deep respect and said, At last, I know that I have gained your approval, my lord the king, for you have granted me this request. And then Joab went to Jeshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order, Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. So what we see here is that David realizes what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let what you did stop me from moving forward. But what it is not is it is not always restoring someone back to where they were before. It's okay if that person has burned a bridge. Forgiveness is not saying they have equal access to you anymore. It's just saying, I'm no longer going to let what you did define my future. He's like, he can come back to his house, but he's not going to see me again. But we think in ourselves, okay, that sounds great, but but watch what's happening here. We're going to see the heart of Absalom and realize why God did not put it on in David's heart to do this and why we need to be careful not to always give people equal access to us once we've been hurt and wounded by that person. Let's look and see what happens. Verse 25. Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all of Israel. Good heavens. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to about five pounds. Pause. That's a lot of hair. Five pounds of hair? My goodness. Verse 27. He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. So he ended up naming his daughter after his sister. Verse 28, Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab and asked him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, go set fire to Joab's barley field, the field next to mine. So they set the field on fire as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, why did your servant set fire to my field? And then Absalom replied, "Ah, because I wanted to ask you why the king has brought me back from Jeshur, but he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. And if he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. And then at last, David summoned Absalom and he came and bowed low before the king and the king kissed him. Well, notice what we see. Absalom is extremely self-centered. The Bible kind of alludes to this by saying just how handsome he was and how much he knew it. But then notice, he cared so very little. The, The guy who saved his life, Joab, the guy who brought him back to Jerusalem, he now abuses by setting fire to his property, all because he wanted an audience with Joab. Think about the self-centeredness. I don't really care what you've done for me. This is what I want. We see a character flaw inside of Absalom. And maybe that's why God is keeping some distance between the king and Absalom. It's because God knows this. And even when he gets an audience for the king, you can tell because of what's going on. Very formal, not very relational anymore. Because there's something there. That's why we have to have an accurate definition of what forgiveness is. 
I've seen people who thought forgiveness was let that person have equal access back into your life and everything is okay. Well, here's the thing. Trust is earned. And when somebody violates your trust, it is okay to not trust them the same way immediately. They have to earn that trust again. Absalom didn't want to earn that trust. He wanted it just to be given to him. And we're going to see in the next chapters why that's so very dangerous. So let's cover this one more time and we're going to pray. People are going to hurt people. Broken people break other people, or at least they try to. And we have to be careful that we don't live our lives as victims, but rather we live our lives as overcomers. We live our lives as people who don't just react to everything that happens to us, but we respond. And one of the ways we do that is to know what forgiveness is and know what it's not. Forgiveness is not saying everything is okay. Forgiveness is not saying you have equal access to my life again. Forgiveness is not saying you have completely been given trust again. And forgiveness is not saying that you shouldn't pay the price for what you have done. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let what you did determine my future. I'm not going to let what you did rob me of being able to be free of you. So instead, forgiveness is saying, not as an emotion, but as a decision, I'm going to let you go and I'm going to give you to the Lord. And then whatever the Lord wants to do is what he needs to do. And that is where freedom starts for us today. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you are with us and you are for us. God, I have this suspicion that almost everyone listening or watching this podcast today has dealt with unforgiveness in some kind of way. We know because that's the human condition. Because we are fallen in sin, we hurt one another. I pray, God, that we won't stay there, that we will find forgiveness and we'll move forward so that we can see all the things that you want for us. That doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge the pain. That doesn't mean we don't sit with it for a season. But at some point, we have to give it to you so that we can find that freedom. I pray you'll give us the grace to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then, well, don't forget, 2 Samuel chapter 7 says this, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. That's what God wants, is he wants an everlasting relationship with you. You are called to do great things for him, and all along the way, he qualifies you to do those things. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Samuel chapter 15.